This week I've been given the daunting task from Mike of looking at contemplation and listening to God from our prayer course based on Pete Gregg's brilliant book, How to Pray. And I say daunting because to be honest, contemplating God and listening to him is not something that I find very easy. Contemplation to me conjures up images of monks or nuns sat navel gazing for hours, if they could see through their habits. Um, and hearing from God can feel quite intense, like waiting for a burning bush or a thunderous voice from heaven to appear. So for the purpose of this talk, I'm just gonna call contemplation, being still before God, dwelling in his presence, and the idea of listening to him as trying to capture that still small voice that whispers affirmation, direction, or guidance to us. Because I find it difficult, and I know some other people will find it tricky as well, I'm going to look at the practical side of this and then we're going to look at our text on Ananias. I think firstly, in order to take the pressure off ourselves, it's good to remember that we don't live under law, but under grace. Grace says that being still with God might look different in each season of life for people, and it will also probably look different for each person as well. Legalism says, I must get up at 5.30 every morning, every morning and have an hour's quiet time and hear at least two instructions from God before I start my day. But this is performance-based religion and it's also striving and not really what we're called for. This isn't to say that being self-disciplined and having a daily time with God is wrong. As Pete Greg says, we need our daily bread. But Grace says, come to me because you want to be with me, not because you have to. So if you're anything like me, then being still in mind and spirit is hard. The minute I sit down to pray, I'm constantly distracted by my thoughts or things that need to be done. Help, I've forgotten to feed the cat or what should we have for dinner? I find it really difficult being still if someone else is in the same house with me, let alone the same room. And I have a very overactive over imagination, because <laughs> it. So um, it's quite hard to discern God's voice sometimes. I'm also that person that Jamie spoke about in his talk. In fact, this is a photo of my school report for maths. Alison is easily distracted, it says, and it seemed to appear very regularly on most of my reports. And if, as if any more evidence against me wasn't needed, someone very kindly put on Facebook this photo of me in my French class at QE. Uh, I'm on the right at the back, um, facing the opposite direction to everyone else, including the teacher. So let's look at how the author and perfecter of our faith approached being still with his father. The Gospels tell us that Jesus regularly went off to a solitary place to pray, sometimes at night and sometimes at dawn. At times when he knew people weren't going to be around and where he knew people weren't going to be around. Jesus, as fully God and fully man, knew that he had to be alone in order to be with his father. And I know that for myself, that's a necessity as well. And I think it probably is for most people. But what if being alone is a very hard task for you, especially in this season? Perhaps you have children at home or you're living with a retired partner. Um, perhaps you're in a house where everyone's having to work from home because it's COVID uh, and you're never alone. When Jesus needs to know what to do, he asked his father and said, I only do what I see the father doing. So why not ask the Lord, how long do you want me to spend with you and where can I go to get alone? 
We serve a creative genius God. He will have the right answers to suit you and your season. If finding space is hard, he might say to you, go and sit in the car, go in a lay-by. I know I've done that. Another dear friend of mine goes off to her allotment. Um, he might even say, just lock yourself in the bathroom. But try and find um, where and what helps you to get to that place of stillness. For some, it will be getting out into nature. Others may find it in music, uh, in prayers, or by doing something symbolic. In fact, there's a really good book called um, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And it describes in there several ways in which people tend to connect with God, if you want ideas. If interrupting thoughts are your problem, then write down anything you need to do. Then put those things and your phone away into another room. And if you find it hard to discern his voice, just keep practicing. Test what you think you've heard. Ask him to confirm it through scripture or another person or within your spirit. I know the other day I was about to go and pray with some friends and um, I prayed before going and I had a picture of a mummy, not that sort of a mummy, but uh, a mummy coming out of a tomb wrapped in bandages and I had no idea if it was right or not. So I just said, Lord, I need you to confirm this if, you, if this is something you want us to pray into later. And I switched on my computer and there was a lady sat on a settee um, on the screen, all wrapped up in bandages um, like a mummy. It was in fact advertising toilet roll, but still. Um, Grace also says through Psalm 103 that the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed. He knows how he's made us. So accept yourself as you are. I used to so beat myself up about being easily distracted when I was praying. I would forever start and then be apologising. Sorry, Lord, I went off track and then I'd give up. Then I did a Myers-Briggs character assessment. Through it, God showed me, it's okay, that's how I made you. I made you to be easily distracted because you'll notice things that other people won't. Probably because I'm facing the back of the glass, but anyway. In fact, the Myers-Briggs prayer for my character trait is, oh Lord, please feed the poor and, oh, look at that butterfly. It drives my poor husband wild when we're trying to talk about things and I'm constantly being distracted. But now when I try to be still and I dig off on a tangent, I just apologise to the Lord and I keep coming back to him and slowly and surely I settle down and I can focus wholly on God. So keep persevering in this season because if I can do it with all of my unusual character traits, then you definitely can. Now, let's look at the text for today. Because when I was praying about it, I think I felt the Lord show me a twofold purpose within it for this season that we're in at the moment. So we're going to look at Acts uh, 9, 10 to 19 that we had read for us earlier. So poor old Ananias, which I think is fairly close to a pineapple in French, but I don't really know because I wasn't paying attention. Anyway, poor Ananias is there and he's being still and he's contemplating before the Lord. He's obviously heard about this terrifying man, Saul, who was there present at the stoning of Stephen and is putting whole families into prison, Christian families, uh, and worse. So I suspect he's probably praying that age-old prayer that we've all prayed, help! And the Lord answers him in verse 10 with an exclamation mark. Ananias! There's a sense of wake up soldier, I've got a job for you to do. God then gives him a vision and very direct instructions. Go to Judas, go to Judas's house on Straight Street. I think Judas is probably quite a common name back then. Um, thankfully not now. And what an interesting name for a street. 
the street on which God is going to put Saul on the straight and narrow, the street on which God is going to restore his eyesight so that he can see straight for the Lord. But I love this reaction from Ananias. How human is this? As if God doesn't know who Saul is, Ananias helpfully starts to explain it to him. Actually, I've heard of this guy. He's the one who's persecuting us all. Isn't this a slightly dangerous mission you're giving me? I wonder how many of us, when God has told us to do something, start to try and convince him that he doesn't quite know all the facts. But God says, go. And then in his loving kindness and humility, God explains to him, Saul is my chosen instrument. In other words, there are bigger purposes at stake here, Ananias, more than you're aware of. And God is also gracious enough to reassure him with a sense of justice. I know how much he's made you all suffer and he will see how much he has to suffer for my name. And that's not God being cruel or vindictive against Saul, who will later become Paul, because actually we know from his writings that Paul welcomed his suffering for Jesus. But it was a sense of justice for Ananias and the suffering Christians. I'm a just God, I know what I'm doing. Now I'm going to paraphrase what the Lord said to Ananias, but in effect this is what it meant for him. Go on this possible suicide mission, lay your hands on a murderer, take part in a miracle and witness one of the future most influential men in all of Christianity step into my kingdom. It was quite a mission. So let's get to this twofold purpose from the text that I think is really important. The first purpose has to do with our spiritual side and our eternal relationship with God. Ananias knew how important it was to keep that going with the Lord and to receive direction. Jesus says that as believers we are born of the Spirit, but also in John we read that God is Spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. Therefore, we need to connect to God as his children on this level, the Spirit level. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have my jokes. Now the good news for us is that God wants our company. He is the lover of our souls. Deep to deep, the Bible calls it. Male or female, he says to us through the Song of Songs, let me see your face and hear your voice. In other words, communicate with me. Why? Because he adores us just as we are. And he knows all about our sin and our hang-ups and he still adores us. There's no one he doesn't love. He longs to be with us just as we long to be with those people who are precious to us. You know those people who have told you in the past, shut up, we don't want to hear from you, or go away, you're not wanted. That's the enemy of our souls. That's the opposite to what your loving, gentle Father God would say to you. Being still then and listening to what God says to us is where we find our identity, our security, our strength, and how precious we are to God as his children. Overall, it develops intimacy. And we know that at the Lantern, we've had lots of words uh, about this season being about time to develop our intimacy, this year being the time in which to do it. Now, some people find that word intimacy either really hard or really scary. If that's you, then ask the Lord why. Perhaps you've been hurt, and so intimacy is a frightening place for you, or you've hardened your heart. You felt let down or disappointed by God or people and the walls have gone up. 
If either of those apply to you, then ask God to heal you or soften you depending on your need, and he'll be faithful to do that. But why bother? Well, I believe that intimacy with God is one of the highest callings we can ever have in our lives. It also prepares us for heaven. Heaven is represented as one almighty wedding. A bridegroom, Christ, with his bride, us, the church, in one of the most intimate of relationships for all eternity. Unless they're eloping, bride and groom nearly always go through preparation to make their wedding the best. So perhaps should we? I expect many of you have seen the films, or if you're a bit older, perhaps the series of Mission Impossible. Well, the second fold of the purpose is be of being still and listening in this season has to do with our mission or work as believers. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we live in a world with real things to do that God has destined for us before the world even existed. And it applies to every single one of us. No one is left out. Whatever age you are, everyone is significant. Everyone has purpose. Even if you are a child or bed bound or stuck at home, you have significance and you can still do perhaps the most powerful thing in the world. You can pray. So what does your mission look like in this season, I wonder? Perhaps for some, it may be to continue with exactly what you're doing. At home alone or with kids, retired or working. In Acts, it says that God determines the exact times and places that we should live in order that people would seek God and find him. That means that those people around you are exactly the ones that God knew he could reach through you, whether they be family, neighbours, work colleagues or friends. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were using us to make his appeal through. Because whether we feel it or not, we as believers all have the answer to life. We who have Jesus living in our hearts contain the very words of truth and life that the world so desperately needs at the moment. For others, their mission may look a little more daring. Maybe the Lord will ask you to start a new ministry or a new job, to move or to try something risky in this season. Maybe like Ananias, it will seem like a mission impossible. But we know that with God, nothing is impossible. And I can testify to this. In fact, if your mission looks impossible right now, chances are you are in the right place because only with God can that mission be done. I'm sure that Ananias didn't live a boring life. Or if he had up until that point when he prayed, listened and obeyed, it starts to get more exciting. For him, his purpose included a death-defying visit, a miracle, and one of the most important conversions in history. So are you willing to take up the challenge of this season? Why not ask the Lord to help to find you solitude, to be still and to hear him and then obey him? I wonder what fruit will come from your listening times. I'm excited to hear. What exciting things has God planned for you to do? Will it be huge or small or most likely a mixture of both? With God, if you are really willing, uh, you will witness miracles. And I know that there are people in this church who can testify to that. But you may also just be asked to pray with a work colleague, smile at a neighbour, or be friendly to a tired cashier. All are equally as important to God and all are very necessary for such a time as this. God bless you.